The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now it's time for our Friday Forum. Uh, we are joined by Mairead Farrell, Sinn Féin TD for Galway West and South Mayo, Colin Brophy, Finnegal TD for Dublin South West, and Leisha Nealan, journalist with the Dublin Inquiry. Inquirer. You're all very welcome to the programme. Uh, let's talk to you, Leisha, first of all, about the Temple Street story. I mean, we're now hearing that people were raising red flags maybe a year or so ago, and yet we only get the detail now. Yeah, it's an incredible story, um, Pat, I think was broken by the ditch um, Porco Mescal there about a week ago. Um, it's absolutely horrific. It seems that um, implants were used that were not um, medical approved. Um, there's been, as you say, an inquiry already. Now they say they're going. To, there's going to be. There was an internal review now and an external mm. review, and now there's going to be another review. The previous reviews, I think, didn't talk to the families. Um, So this one is going to speak to the families. I can't personally get a handle on how many children are affected by this. Um, Some people are saying three and other sources seem to be saying 19. Well, well, originally they were saying, and I heard the guy from CHI on yesterday uh, talking about uh, three people from whom metals uh, should be taken and two, in two cases, it's already been taken and the third case is still pending. And there were other things that became a bit more clear for example, he was saying that someone, child who needed 34 visits to the theatre, that a lot of that wasn't like carving the child open again and again and again. It was to wash out a wound that had been infected again, you know, rather than try to do that in the ward. They bring them into the area of the theatre, which would be uh, completely free of any kind of potential infection and wash out the wounds there. So we need to learn a lot more about this. We do, but we need to start, I think, by always thinking of the children and the parents and the families affected, because I think it is a truly horrendous situation. They were in a difficult situation and then the people in who they place their trust have effectively let them down. And I think... But we can't believe that someone deliberately sets out to do harm to a child. what What we need to do... And I would absolutely hope you're right on that, Pat. I would absolutely hope you're right now. But what we need to do is make sure that we find out why, not just on an individual surgeon level, not just on an individual procedure level, but that clinically we find out why. We find out how the hospital practices worked. We find out who in the hospital and how this came about. Because we have a real lack of knowledge at this yeah. moment in I'm time. I'm a bit nervous. And we need to move uh, to you know, find out yeah. and make but that. But these broad inquiries that go on forever. Well, you I know, don't think Surely there's to... a few key questions we need to know. Uh, who decided to use these implants? Who decided on this technique? Who decided to buy Absolutely. them from this uh, engineering company in the UK? Who certified them to be suitable for the ch- These are very simple I, questions. I bang, are, bang, bang, they, bang, 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 bang. They are, and there's no reason why. And I was heartened to read that it looks like that the first phase um, can be completed by the end of the year. And I think while there must be a situation, and that's only a few months away, where people have due process and due process is followed, but we can do it speedily. Yeah, but I, it'll, I it'll believe get lost we can do it in the morass yeah, of all. No, we can do it speedily and we must do it right though. Mairead? Look, I think this is absolutely horrific. I think uh, we can all agree on that. And obviously we're thinking 
um, of the families and children who are affected and, and obviously families and children who uh, are on, on waiting lists now and still. I think um, one of the most important things, obviously, at this point is that there's some kind of transparency and clarity. You know, CHI's reports were, if, you know, finished in May and June. We only saw these released on Wednesday. We're having families contact us saying that they still haven't been contacted. Um, I think it's important that next week there is some kind of question and answers on this um, within the doll. And also then um, I know that the that CHI have been requested to come in front of the Oireachtas Committee as well. I think as much transparency here as possible, but obviously, clearly, that people are actually talking to the families affected. Yeah. That is the most important thing. Now, the, the point is there are big long waiting lists for surgery, yeah. be it spina bifida or scoliosis. And parents who are on waiting lists, I mm. suppose, should be reassured nothing's happened to their child yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're waiting and that's the dispiriting part, but they haven't been subject to any of these procedures yet. So, you know, they should feel uh, currently reassured. But, but they need to have confidence in the system, obviously, as well. And, you know, and they're you know, fighting for for this help for their children. So that's really important. But they need to obviously have that confidence within the system and what what will potentially happen to, the, to their own children. But it is very important that the families of children impacted are actually spoken to and dealt with. Yeah. You know, that's and I think we should have that broad but fast inquiry, which we're talking about, mm-hmm. which you made reference to wanting. The, the, the problem, to though, is compounded by the fact that the National Paediatric Hospital, built, as we know, in the wrong place at a, enormous cost, is not going to be ready for another couple of years. So, you know, there are children now who who are adults virtually. By the time they originally got their diagnosis, they expected to be in the children's hospital. They ain't. They'll be in an adult hospital before. Um, I, I think in what we're talking about here, rather than bringing two things together on, on a hospital building project that's, that's taking place is, Uh, We need to look and find out why the system failed as it is. There should not be these type of outcomes. They should have been the proper outcomes for the procedures. And that's what needs to be checked and investigated. The government put money and funding into it. It seems that in an awful situation that something went wrong. And until we know exactly how and what went wrong. Uh, and there's been a, there has been a bit of reportage on that and a bit of information has come out. But we need to know very quickly through an investigation, not necessarily politicians doing this through health committees, but through the proper investigation that's been put in place, which answers, I'd hope, by the end of the year yeah. as to what happened. I mean, Alicia, the idea that the someone was dragged before the health committee, I'm not sure. We only watched the PAC and we watched the media committee having a go at the RTE thing. And, you know, it was all about grandstanding, about having a bit of a, a hard question to put on your social media. That's what we saw a lot of the time. They didn't really get very far. So we don't need the health committee to have the same kind of grandstanding approach. No, I mean, I think families need answers immediately. And there, it's not. it doesn't appear to me to be categoric that no other children are affected. They're saying there's three kids affected. Is that a fact or is that the current position which is about to change and suddenly you're going to find out there's more? That needs to be the most urgent question yeah. for those families and for all the families. And at the moment, if I, if I had a child on the waiting list, Pat, I wouldn't want that surgery done in that hospital right now because I wouldn't have any confidence in it. I'd want to go so private or I'd want to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or do they, yeah. do, do they do send they, them off to another jurisdiction? Do they jurisdiction? send them to the UK or something like that? I don't know. But 
at the moment you couldn't have confidence in any of it. Okay, but I think that's why we need kind of a lot more clarity from them and that's why I would think it would be important for there to be accountability to uh, Dioroctus because without that kind of full transparency how can people have confidence but of course I'm sure there are plenty of people that there can be much a lot of confidence in um, there but we need that level of transparency uh, for, for, for families and, and for children. But we need that through an inquiry that families can absolutely be assured that the right proper answers have been given to them so as to restore confidence. All right. Uh, to the politicians, first of all, uh, to you, Mairead, were you caught up on the protests? I actually um, wasn't. So I uh, I arrived, I had been in Cork, working in Cork the night before and I came up and I saw the protests outside and I went in kind of the, at 11, like, there wasn't many people there. So I went in the back entrance and then I actually had to head out to a meeting. And then when after my meeting I realised that uh, there wasn't much of a chance of me getting back in but I actually managed to get into Buzzwell so I think sometimes being under five foot and wearing a bright yellow coat nobody thinks that you're a TD so <laughs> you, you get into places without anybody noticing. Yeah but, but the point is that uh, for a change uh, the parties of government the parties of uh, opposition have common cause you were all it was a plague on all of your houses from these protests. It was made more than passion it was made more than a plague on all political party houses what, I mean, what took place which was the really abhorrent side of it was that any single person working in the Leinster House building complex, didn't matter whether you were staff of a political party, elected member of a political party, you could be staff of the Oireachtas, you could be working, uh, just doing your job, you could be going in the canteen, canteen, Mm -hmm. cleaners, ushers, it didn't matter who it was. If they saw the badge hanging around, and most people hang them around their neck, as you do with your your, your access badge for work. Um, And if they saw that, you became the target of unbelievable abuse. And one of the things that I was really unhappy with was you had people trying to get in to do their job who were being told by Ungarda Siakona, no, they're not going to let you in. Like what right do a bunch of self-appointed thugs have to effectively decide who enters and leaves their place of work. Yeah. And I think we need to but look the, at the that. The question is, how do you police that? Because, uh, you know, we, we talk about social media and politicians grandstanding to get uh, nice clips for their audiences. But that's what these guys want. They would like the cops to come on and thug them, you know, thump them with batons and all the rest because yeah. it gives them great stuff that I they do, can put I, on social media. I don't media. think you need some people with batons and I don't think you need to have an over and aggressive response. What the Gardaí did later in the day which was to seek out and go through a process of arrests and removal, is something I need. We need. We, I think we need to look at uh, how, how and when that process starts. But don't they have to offend before well, you can believe, send in the snatch believe squad? Believe me, at half 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, um, staff uh, who were arriving in, all anybody was talking about in the building was how much hassle they had to get through and what had been said to them or how they think. So from a very early stage in the day, people were aware that something that's not a normal protest, which we're all happy to have and accept as a right of democracy, people to protest. Are you saying the guards didn't do their job on the day? No, I'm not saying they didn't do their job. I think they did in a very difficult circumstance the best job they could do. But I think we need to look again as to how in light of the fact we now have a very different... T- it's not a protest, by the way. This is, this is a, a, a way beyond protesting. This is an agitation process that's designed to cause maximum disruption. And we need to look at how we police that as distinct from right. normal protest. I, I suppose it probably was the first time that they'd encountered something like this specifically outside the doll. Obviously, I, I knew enough to, to see in this kind of level of um, protest outside the doll. But I, I do think the important point is that, you know, people should be able to safely access work. And we've seen that. And I'm not 
equating the two here. I'm just saying we've seen it in other cases whereby, you know, there's been protests outside libraries and for librarians to get um, in and out of work as well. So, you know, this mm-hmm. right to safety, I suppose, Absolutely. for people. And it wasn't just politicians, um, as Colm said, you know, it yeah. was also. Um, it also has to be borne in mind that on both sides of Leinster House, you have the National Gallery on the Marion Street side, you have the Marion Hotel, you have lots of businesses, you've got the Marion Square Park that people recreate in. On the other side, you've got the National Library and the National Museum and also loads of businesses as well. So uh, but, you know, but, you're not going to be able to cocoon Leinster yeah, House. Yeah, but also, like, I mean, we see protests every single day outside Leinster House and it's Absolutely. an important, valid thing for people to do. You know, if they're going to protest, that's the place far, sir, to make clear their protest. You know, far so, from wanting to stop protest, no, I'm not what actually it. happened uh, was that those people, through their actions, stopped other protest groups which had come up to try and make mm. very legitimate cases that they had, that they wanted to make the first day the door it opened. Would be common and they were actually stopped from, oh. from doing it. Yeah, what do you make uh, of how it was handled? I just think this has been going on in Dublin for almost a year now. It started um, in East Wall last November. It kicked off big time there. We saw the protests in Ballymun. They were much more vitriolic, actually, than the doll, much more aggressive. Mm-hmm. I saw people spitting in guards' faces in Ballymun in videos. Um, there was children in accommodation there. They were outside screaming, get them out for hours. I thought that was a child protection matter. I thought Tusa should have been called in. So I do think it has gone way too far already. Um, we've seen Martin Kenny's home targeted. We've seen Hugh Lewis, the independent councillor, his home targeted, where his dad was um, and pensioner and Hugh doesn't even live in the house and we're we're seeing an escalation of violence from the far right. It is an organised far right movement and um, it is, as you say, they, they want to get a reaction. They want to scare people off as well. I mean, if you were a young woman in one of these areas, would you be willing to go yeah. into politics now? Probably not. Yeah, but there's an interesting comment here from Chris. He says, now the politicians know how our frontline staff feel every day. There should be no extra security for politicians until security for our frontline staff is sorted. Now, I'm not sure. I suspect that might be the HSE, um, but it could apply to firefighters. Can I just make the, the, the point that no one's looking for, I mean, that's a really unfortunate comment, actually, because no one's looking for extra security for politicians. No one is looking to, to, to say politicians. I think the point we've just heard is really at the heart of it, is this type of organised thuggery is happening right across our city and it's escalating and escalating in an attempt to try and as you alluded to yourself to try and get the social media shot and more publicity and get to get us talking about it. So it is really important that we look at how we handle it so as that people can go to work, people can be safe, whether it's the doll or whether it's a, a, an A&E at 1am yeah. in the morning or whether it's a library or whether it's people in a, in a village um, crossroads being able to walk up and down the road yeah. and not be dictated. By the way, it's happening by- even in, in retail. You know, oh, of course. people, yeah. people at the till being abused. being abused. I just want to go on the point because a lot of the time when we have these conversations, that there's conversation about, you know, women entering politics, younger women entering politics and that kind of thing. And as somebody who got elected first when I was 24, I just want to make it clear to anybody who is interested in, you know, running for election or that or getting involved in political landscape. You know, if you strongly believe in something to put yourself forward and to go out there in my own party, you know, it has been the men that have been targeted. We've seen that now in in recent weeks and that. 
that. Um, but it's very important that if you feel strongly about something to put yourself forward. All right. and just one small point in it. There is also an element to it which is very, very worrying, which is the rise of attacks, particularly on communities, uh, vulnerable communities um, and being singled out and for no reason at all, random acts of violence. And yeah. we really yeah. need and to... And I want to say that, Pat, I think the worst thing that has happened with all of this was burning out of homeless people in their tents. Yeah. Like yeah. that was only a few months ago and that was absolutely horrific. It's a miracle nobody was killed or hurt in that incident. But people who were homeless and that was the only belongings they had, those tents were burnt out. So like, we do have to take this seriously. Yeah. Uh, just to the HSE figures, uh, in 2018, 3,230 assaults in the first six months on healthcare workers. It's somewhat below that uh, now. It was uh, 2,397 in 2021, the latest figures. But the point is, thousands of attacks on yeah. healthcare yes. workers is not That's, acceptable one not way or the other. Yeah. Uh, moving on, um, Michael D., while the cat's away, the mouse will play. Um, having a go at the UN just while our serving politicians are over there trying to use the UN to good effect. What did you make of that? Well, I, I mean, first of all, I think that this particular week in the UN is one of the most important weeks of the year and there's a really good Irish presence there. It's really important. And it's, it, so what did you make of Michael D? D? I, I think the president is is a person who expresses his views quite clearly. He's been actually to the UN and made occasion, I'm, I'm sure, to make his comments here, there as well and used it uh, for, for that purpose. I wouldn't say that the UN is a non-effective body, but the UN and everybody, including Ireland, knows this. Unless we reform the UN and make and no, sure... That's that not the point. The point is, is his um, timing, deciding at the ploughing to have a go at the UN just when our politicians are trying to be as effective as they can be, however little or great that might be. Well, I, I, I would believe that at a time when we're at the UN, we need to be collectively uh, as supportive as possible of our efforts. But the president makes his comments known. And now, the, is that's everyone what the scared does. of criticising the man? Because he did overstep the mark on this occasion, I would believe. I'm not scared of criticising the president. If I particularly thought the president did something right. totally egregious, I'd criticise him. But I don't think this falls into that category. Uh, I, de I, I, I definitely don't have a problem criticising anyone. <laughs> I'm sure um, you'll be glad to hear. But I, I think, look, I think actually people find find it interesting to hear what Michael D has to say sometimes I think people actually do want like I mean the general public sometimes it's good to have a bit of a conversation about things and that it's not just you know that people mm. feel that they can kind of hear yeah, different this, point, this of, point of view. a gentle thing have a listen to what he actually said and the way he said it more and more the United Nations is falling is losing credibility it is unable to stop war it is unable to win famine it is unable to stop conflicts it's unable to manage migration. So, Leisha, what did you think of that? Yeah, he sounds very upset. Um, it sounds to me like I wouldn't say he's necessarily doing it strategically to have a go at any politician. I'd say he is worried about war, worried about the war in Ukraine. He sounds to me like he's genuinely very upset there. Mm. The point that's always worth remembering here, the UN still does an incredible amount of good. And I had the privilege of serving as the... the the um, International Development Minister, the, the person who has responsibility for Irish aid, does incredible good on the ground. But there's not a sentence of what he said there that I yeah, wouldn't but, but, that I would disagree with at a, at a functional level. that the UN is useless. No, no. At a, security at a Security Council level, when you have a veto for Russia, you have a dysfunctional right. UN. Yeah, like I don't like in fairness, that's just one clip, right? And that's all I had heard during the week in terms of an actual clip. But I don't think he's 
necessarily the UN is completely useless, but he's highlighting difficulties that the UN do have, like, you know, that we have as, you know, as a worldwide, you know, everybody, like, globally. No, I'm, I'm just like, talking about actually when, he, with it. when he said it. I mean, the, it's a discussion I think we could have. A, I think but when our boys are away doing the business no, I, I and then he has a go. I think can be healthy. I think genuinely the discussion can be healthy mm. and having hearing different point of views um, is something that is quite healthy and I don't think that it should be necessarily seen as a threat. He's, made, you know, he, he's, he's quite clearly upset as, as Leisha said and um, I do think having you know there are obviously clear, very very clearly challenges as well All right. Well, we, I, I, we, I think the sustainable development goals ironically is what we should be talking about and mm. we're not we're talking about his comment mm. Alright on that note we leave it we were going to talk about Russell Brand but possibly enough hot air has been wasted on that individual uh, so thank you very much to our panellists Emirate Farrell Sinn Féin TD for Galway West and South Mayo Colin Brophy Finnegal TD for Dublin South West and Leisha Nealan journalist with the Dublin Inquirer The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.